How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Mark Carrig, also from The Athletic. You are listening to Beyond the Scrum, a show about baseball. Mark, how are you, man? Andy, I am well. How are you? I'm okay. What? Just okay. Yeah, just okay. What, what is your hair plan? <laughs> uh, well, my wife was supposed to give me a haircut last weekend. Uh-huh. Um, Rosie had different ideas. Uh huh. Um, yeah, she was a handful, so we didn't really get to that. So as of this moment, right now, plan is to wear a hat if I step out of this house. Okay, like, that's the plan. Right. Well, luckily yeah. you have a few to choose from, so that's good. I do. I do. It, it, does it look that bad? It looks bad, huh? No, it's, it's just like uh, it's that's not that's not what you used to look like. <laughs> like when, back when I would see you, you know, in person. You know, that's not what you looked like. No, no, it's no bueno. It's so, a lot. I mean, I look Ooh, terrible too. So like, it's okay. No, no, I, just... I actually was thinking you look good, man. No, like I, the I, backward I... cap, a little flow under there. No, it's it's bad, man. It's it's really bad. Oh, Jesus. it's really bad. Yeah. Okay. I'm becoming like, uh, you know, how every baseball team has a wet guy. Like I'm becoming a wet guy now. It's like I just my hair just looks wet. I look like Clay Buckholes in the sixth inning. Oh my God, you're right. Every team has one of those. Yeah, guys. David Roth wrote a whole con- like he literally wrote a thing on Deadspin. I think the headline was just like every team has a wet guy now, and it was you know about like Buckholes and I think like Jason Vargas with the Mets. You know was yeah. a wet guy. Sergio Mitre Mitre was a yeah. wet guy. Yeah, you know just a, just a guy who looks damp. Yeah, like, but all the time. Yes, that's that's what. Freddie Garcia was the ultimate wet guy. <laughs> Sweaty Freddie. God, I yeah. love that guy. Yeah, I I know, I know. We know, <laughs> we all know. We all He's know. the best, man. He just tell random stories about being young and stupid and playing baseball. It sounds like a good time. Dude, it was great, man. Like the time he like I think he threw like a one hitter like after sweating alcohol out of his system for five minutes. <laughs> like he said that David Ortiz like like so this is back when Ortiz was with the Twins, I think, uh-huh. and Freddie was playing for Seattle. Uh-huh. And and the two of them had gone out the night before. Uh, you know, and Freddie's starting a day game. Oh my so, God. you know, he's five innings in, and he's sweating so much alcohol that at one point, the second time I think Ortiz faces him, he, like, held his, he held his nose. Uh-huh. Like, oh. he's at the plate and, like, starts <laughs> laughing. Because, yeah, you could smell it from there. And ended up, like, shoving that day, which is even better. So, anyway, yeah. I stopped I stopped drinking the night before day games when I was, like, 24. I couldn't imagine. And that was having to, like, cover a baseball game. I couldn't imagine <laughs> trying to play a baseball game. Oh, my God. That. Yeah. I wish I were smart enough to say that I stopped doing that at 24. We're going to talk about a little bit about the Mets today. We're also, uh, for I, I just think for my own sort of masochistic needs we're going to get into the latest uh you know, episode <laughs> in the bat flip culture war uh and then we thought it'd be kind of fun uh with the postseason coming up to uh to talk about our favorite uh personal press box meltdowns uh but until but first we will go with the mets the mets have a new owner mark yes his name is steve cohen what can you tell our listeners about him He's very rich. He's very, very rich. Uh, you know, uh, also has some some pock marks on the track record mm-hmm. there. Um, he ran a hedge fund that um, got into some big time trouble for insider trading. And though he got out of that himself unscathed, clearly mm-hmm. there's a connection there you really can't ignore. So 
um, you know, a demanding guy. Uh, also, you know, there's, there's stuff there, all right? Like, it's not a perfect candidate uh, as far as being uh, the new owner of a franchise. Uh, but he does have two things going for him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is that he's rich. We mentioned that he's rich, He's right? rich, like he's yeah. You like have mentioned that he is wealthy. $14 billion. And for perspective, that's like, I think the learners of Washington uh-huh. are the richest owners in baseball right now, and their net worth is like $5 billion. Oh, interesting. So 14 is greater than 5 by a lot. Uh-huh. Yes. Right? I think the Steinbrenners are about 1.3, 1.4 billion, like I mean and they run the Yankees, as you know, they spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, th- this is um it's a very interesting fellow. So uh, it sounds like the though there's two things going for him, right? One yeah, so is one's the, the money. Of, and the other one is who he is not. Correct. Which is he's, a member of the Wilpon family. He's not a Wilpon. And I think the latter is what is going to actually make a bigger difference than the former. Yeah. Right. Um, right. You know, it's interesting because, like you said, like who is the, the, the learners are the richest owners. Mm-hmm. And the learners are like sort of uh, notable for their penuriousness in various uh, exchanges. Like they pay for stars. But they sort of don't pay for everything else. I mean, it's been an issue often when they've been trying to hire managers. Um, yep. You know, it's they have continued like they kind of strung along Mike Rizzo after he won a, a World Series. You know, there's lots of so it's like I would assume that Cohen is going to spend better than the Wilpons will. Um, but people do not accumulate that sort of wealth by throwing money around. You know, right, right, and that's I think so. I wrote a column this week after the news got out that there'd been a gr- an agreement to um, sell the team. Mm-hmm. And and your point about the learners is, is exactly right, Andy. I mean, I think fans get caught up in payroll because yeah. that is the most obvious place where you can say, it's shorthand, right? Mm-hmm. This owner cares about the team. Look at what he's spending on payroll. Right. That's fair, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying otherwise. But what I am saying is that that's only one piece of the puzzle. I think a lot of times what an owner does is also important behind the scenes and what they're spending on the things that the fans can't see. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned with the Nationals, like a perfect example. I, I remember years ago, um, I, I, don't, I don't think it's quite the same anymore. But whenever I would cover somebody who had come through that system mm-hmm. or had spent time in the minors or had worked there or whatever, that was one of the first things they mentioned was that, you know, leaving there, they realize, oh, my God, look how much better all these things are. Mm. So it would be like what they were getting fed, yeah, what yeah. the facilities were like, right. um, the playing field, whether it was maintained properly in the right. mind. Like, I mean, on and on and on. So that's what I mean about, it. yeah, payroll is nice and you should pay attention to that. But mm-hmm. I think where they spend as far as what fans can't see is almost as important. Right. And what's interesting I, is the the Wilpon sort of uh, failed to check either box correct. of, you know, the sort of behind the scenes, uh, you know, creating the infrastructure necessary for success and avoiding meddling, but also spending on the product on the field. Right. And I thought about this a lot, uh, you know, uh, like it was last week, I guess I, I had a story come out on Oliver Perez, who I covered mm-hmm. during <clears throat> his his last 
season with the Mets in 2010. It was my first year on the beat. And then I covered his spring uh, in 2011 before he was cut. And I went back and just for the story I was working on kind of about the second half of his career, I went back and read a lot of the stuff that I had written, you know, in 2010 and 2011 about Oliver Perez. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't as embarrassing as it could have been. <laughs> um, I was like, there was a couple times where I was like, that is a metaphor that doesn't make sense or, you know, like that. Well, you can't pass a torch temporarily. That doesn't make sense. You know, anyway. <laughs> but I, the way I guess I was framing it was like, here is this guy who is trying and has uh, sort of failed and there's really nothing that can be done about it. You know, it's like this unfortunate spectacle um you know that this guy who's getting paid a lot of money isn't really good at baseball anymore and the fans hate him and the team kind of hates him and it's all just sort of a bummer and i think i would have covered it so differently now you know like 10 years later i think having a better sense of just sort of how things work and what the power dynamics are and and it just struck me that we don't like need to absolve Oliver Perez. He didn't play well. He, he wanted to play better, but like he just frankly didn't perform. But isn't it somewhat indicative of the culture that the Mets have fostered that one underperforming, moderately well-paid starter became like a major firestorm with the organization? Oh my God, you're right. Look, I think, and I'm not going to defend them because they're not worth that. But I will say, yeah, you're playing in New York. And as much as like I think that the New York media thing is a largely largely become a myth because it's just not what it was, all right? Back then, there was still a, a stronger element of it at play. There was just yeah, a back, lot of people. Back when in the I room. was on the beat, that's, that's when New right. York media was tough. When, 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 when the, the sheriff beat. was in town, <laughs> the sheriff waving his badge. Um, but like, Wa- yeah, I mean, waving his badge and talking about <laughs> F war. <laughs> But, like, you know, there were still a lot of people in the, in the clubhouse. There's a lot of writers, a lot yeah. of, like, people need the right stuff. Like, Lots a of lot commotion, of times it would, yeah, yeah like, that still existed, right? So, you know, like, I, I think that's tough, right? Like, that, that is just a thing that they have to deal with. But mm-hmm. because they're them, nothing went without a commotion. Right. right? Nothing went unscathed. Like, mm-hmm. it was always something. Jason Bay. Mm-hmm. Johan, mm-hmm. um, you know, freaking, um, you know, Kate, right. Like, I mean, well, there goodness. was, you know, there was, there's some bad actors in there. So, you know, so it's not, it's not all the Mets, but, the, but yeah, no. I mean, but they just, make there was a worse. constant swirl of, yes, know, non, like, uh, you know, bad stories swirling around the team. Look, ev- every team in baseball has fires. Yeah. Only one has a father and son that carry the gas can with them to the ballpark every day, and that's the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And that is the bottom line. They make things worse. Right. Everything they touch somehow gets worse. They, you know, run through employees there that get demoralized working there because they're never empowered to Mm -hmm. do anything. They are conditioned to accept second best, Mm -hmm. if on the podium at all. Mm -hmm. They don't spend on the things that you can't see, and they certainly don't spend on the things that you can see. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like endemic, the problems that they've brought there. And I say that 
you know, I, I'm not trying to paint them out to be like monsters or whatever, because right. like uh, that's like a caricature that isn't fair, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it really isn't. But um, are they good stewards of a major league franchise? No, I yeah. think that is such a definitive no at this point. It is indisputable, and Steve Cohen is going to be better if he simply showed up and was just like you know less prone to meddling. Like if, if that's all he did and spent everything else the mm-hmm. same way, they'd be better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now how much he actually spends on payroll, like I, I'll be honest, I, I'm skeptical about that for a couple different reasons. Interesting. Like, and, and the learners are like, you know, that's a great example. Just yeah. because somebody's loaded doesn't mean they're just going to lavish whatever. Like the learners could have signed Anthony Rendon back. So let's stop Correct. with this. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, but then they didn't. So, <laughs> They made it a choice. They they mm-hmm. presented to their fans like, well, we got to pick one of these guys, and it was Strasburg, right? Right, like so, uh, you know, they didn't have to do that though. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's important context to back like to really look at this. Um, you know, this guy's coming into a situation where, you know, I guess the flip side of that is like that honeymoon syndrome with owners, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's that mm-hmm. period where it's like they got to show that this is new and different and mm-hmm. there's an ego rush and he can certainly afford to have his late life crisis and like just go nuts. Like he could, he could totally do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of wonder given the context whether it actually happens or not. But, and this is the thing that I think was a saving grace with this. Even if he didn't go nuts on payroll, if he was just like, you know, for the first time in a long time around here, we're going to like not give lip service to analytics. We're going to build out an R&D department. Mm-hmm. We're going to go compete with the Yankees, Cubs, and Dodgers, and those organizations were the best and brightest. Mm-hmm. Like, if you fight wars on that level, he should win them all. Hmm. You get what I mean? Like, he's got hmm. enough money. If you pour all your money into that, you're just like, you know what? And then uh, it's unfortunate, right? Like, the, the game is shrinking. We're mm-hmm. seeing it this week with the mm-hmm. Braves. And like, mm-hmm. and, and it's, guy, it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. It's, yeah. it's terrible. But if you're a guy like that, if you're Steve Cohen, that's also a lot of brain power looking for work mm-hmm. right now. That's a mm-hmm. lot of smart people in baseball that yeah. might not have a job come October 31. Yeah. And, and if you're smart, and it sounds like he is, that is something to leverage. Like if I'm the Mets, this is an opportunity, okay? Yeah. Like to, to reshape it, build it out, you know, go get the best coaches. And by like speaking of coaches, have you watched them play much lately, Andy? The honestly? Mets? Yeah. Uh, no. They make a mistake a night that torpedoes their chances to win. And it's You basically you wrote about this this week. Yes. It's yeah. incredible. It is incredible. And it's yeah. like, you know – Players make mistakes. Players boot balls. Players mm-hmm. throw to the wrong base. Players get picked off. But when they do that shit every day, that's on the coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what have the Mets done notoriously through the years? Mm. They've cheaped out on coaches. Yeah, underpaid their guys. They've underpaid their guys. They've rewarded people for just sticking around. Yeah. You know, and that's not. And I'm not trying to like you know, insult the people that have done that because that's not fair to them. Like the fact that they're being underpaid isn't a reflection of their skill level necessarily. I think what it is a reflection of is that, you know, again, this is not on them, but like it also tells you as an employee there, keep your head down and just eat the shit for a while and you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, that is not the way to run an organization that's trying to win. Or Mm -hmm. if you want to win, like you, you really can't have that dynamic. And so... That's another example in which their culture fails the entire franchise because mm-hmm. they allow that kind of stuff to happen there. Yeah. Well, they're less than the sum of their parts. 
I mean, always. You, if you yeah, always, and just I mean, just specifically this year, you go go to their baseball reference page. They have like mm-hmm. five really good hitters. You know, uh, inc- you know they're getting like a top five percentile, top one probably percentile season from Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. Michael Conforto's been really good. Dom Smith has been really good. You know, even this like sort of power free version of Pete Alonso is still pretty useful. Jacob Degrom's the best pitcher in baseball, probably. You know, uh, Edwin Diaz strikes out. You know, like two dudes. You know, per inning essentially, mm-hmm. um, and yet. They might not make the playoffs. They probably won't make the playoffs. Yeah, and it's just because their you know their their roster isn't constructed particularly well. I was talking to a, you know a scout who knows them fairly well, and he was kind of talking about how this idea that they don't really have an identity. You know, like they mm-hmm. don't have like a core philosophy. It's like, okay, so are we building around Degrom? Are we building? You know, because then you should try and have you know if you if the idea was that you were like coming into this season, you were building around Degrom and Syndergaard and Stroman. Now, obviously, part of the reason they're struggling is because Mark Stroman opted out, opted out, and mm-hmm. you know Syndergaard's injured. Um, but you know, if you're building around these guys, then you'd want to have you know elite defense behind them. Right. They don't have that. Um, you know, so th- there's sort of just like a lack of undergirding identity to what they're trying to be as a team. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be up to Cohen to put people in place, you know, to figure that out. And like, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what Brody Van Wagen has done in his tenure to show that he would be the right guy for that. But also he's been working for the Wilpons. So who knows? Right. Well, let me, th- there's a couple points you bring up there I want to build off of, because they're, they're kind of perfect illustrations for what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's a great point that the scout made that you talked to. Identity, right? Mm-hmm. Which one is it? And clearly, they haven't operated with one. So let's say they were to go and, and you know, let's give them the benefit of that. Let's say that their plan actually was to build around the pitching, mm-hmm. right? The fact that they don't have anyone who can catch and steal strikes for them. <laughs> right. I mean, they have, they okay. they went out and got Wilson Ramos in free agency, who and he's he's a awful good he's a good hitter back there, and he's yeah. a well, he was player. a good hitter. He well, okay. was a good hitter, but like, I mean, he has he had a good track record as a hitter, but he yes. is not known for his receiving. No. Now and look though, here's the thing. This is the difference. Let's go to the Milwaukee Brewers. Who we can agree, smart club. Okay, they do a lot of things well. Uh, they don't. Like spend cut, on cut payroll. payroll like cut okay. payroll well they did they that, <laughs> like, that's brutal like turn I mean, a 94 they, win team into a losing team <laughs> yes they but what they do internally all right and it's why they and yes, i don't think it's no. right to cut payroll they did they do a good job yes they, they do, do a good, good job. job with what yeah. they have on hand and and omar narvaez who they brought in to try to go hit because he could hit but mm-hmm. they need to teach him how to catch. Well, he didn't hit because the rest of the team really hasn't hit except for yesterday, apparently. <laughs> nuts. But like, okay, but Omar Narvaez went to being one of the worst pitch framers in baseball mm-hmm. to the best one in baseball. The Mets don't do that stuff. Mm. That's a problem. Mm. Like when you are in a league in which teams are so smart that they can take players with deficiencies and coach them up mm-hmm. to the point that they can significantly improve themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's what this era is, Andy, right? Mm-hmm. The Dodgers yeah. are great because yeah, of it. The Rays era, are great because of it. era of growth mindset, yeah. Correct. The Indians have just have a pitching machine that they just churn out arms with. I mean, the Cubs have done that. Like, we can go on and on. The Yankees are trying to build that and have had some success there. Like, the Mets are just left behind. They're miles yeah. behind. Like, they don't even know how to position their players. For two weeks to start the year, Brandon Nimmo was playing the same depth as Luis Robert. 
like that, that doesn't cost money to like <laughs> right. realize, right. hey, to ha- to that's a really bad fucking idea. Ships. Right. Like, you know, maybe he should play him back 20 feet because that's a bad idea. He's not Luis Robert. Right. Like, <laughs> but this is the kind of shit that they do. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not even that they're cheap. It's not even that they make bad long-term decisions, yeah. but like the shit that's free, like picking money up off the street, they won't mm-hmm. bend over to do that, mm-hmm. right? And that means like teaching your catchers how to catch. Right. That means literally putting your position players in a spot to make plays <laughs> instead of them having to like, like poor Brandon Nimmo, who's not a center fielder anyway. Right. Can you imagine? Yeah. And, and if you're the pitcher on the mound... Yeah. Right. You're watching balls go over his head or whatever. You're mm. just like, what the hell? Right. Like outs turn into extra base hits. Right. Okay. Well, that's like, what that's I'm saying, though, is if like if you look time. at your t- if you look at your team and say, okay, we got this core of young, good position players, and we also, in theory, have four quality starting pitchers. Now, obviously, Matts hasn't performed. Syndergaard and Stroman aren't there, but you would have a catcher who is a quality receiver you would put an emphasis on infield and outfield defense so that guys are well positioned and even if you are forced to kind of play guys out of position you know like jd davis or you know having to not be in position or dom smith having to play the outfield you would at the very least equip them with the information so that they are in a position right. to succeed and that is not what happens no like that's the thing and like look mike mustak has played out of position for a while with milwaukee Mm-hmm. Did it cripple them? Right. No, right. it didn't. Right. Like so, the Mets try it, and it turns into a freaking debacle. Right. Like, wonder why? All right. right. It's because they right. don't spend money on infrastructure. Well, there. contrast that with just like, and some of this is a credit to Corey Seager, but when Corey Seager was drafted, literally the night he was drafted, everyone talked about how he was going to have to move off shortstop, and you know, eight years later, he is still playing a quality shortstop in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Now, Seager has dealt with arm injuries. He's dealt with back injuries. He is not particularly fast. His range is, uh, you know, he's not uh, Omar Vizquel, put it that mm-hmm. way. But he plays a quality shortstop because he he, does. he's well-positioned, he does his homework, and the team works with what he his assets are, and so now all of a sudden you have this six foot three monster who can play shortstop for you yeah. every day. When like with twenty five other teams, he'd already be playing on the corners. Listen, you know, man. that's what the best teams are able to do. They they yeah. put players in positions to succeed and take advantage of their strengths. Like it's to me that is the defining quality of this era of baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, people bitch and moan about the style of play in the right. Like, watching it sometimes awful, all right? Because, like, it's just too much swing and miss and lack of action, whatever. We can go on and on, and that's fine. But one of the things I think is brilliant about this era that has never happened in the sport is that growth mindset Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. The the MVP machine, Mm -hmm. the the book. Like, that, Mm -hmm. it's, like, the best... Thing that I've read to encapsulate what we're watching every day, uh-huh. um, and you look at the Mets in that context, it's just like, what the hell are you guys doing? Right, really, right. Which is like, frustrating because they have like the the organization has developed Michael Conforto, Pete yeah. Alonso, Dom. They've Smith, drafted Jeff well there. McNeil, and of course Jacob Degrom. Like, right, they have developed all these guys. So it's mm-hmm. like if you if you hit the jackpot on the big things, you owe it to those guys to do the little things. Right, right. Like, I mean, you know, Joel Sherman wrote a column this week I thought mm-hmm. it was dead on. Like, shocker, right? Joel yeah. writes a column that's dead on. But, right. like, he nailed it, man. Like, Jacob deGrom is the next Mike Trout. 
Mm. Like they're going to mm. squander this guy. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, he is the best pitcher on the planet. Yeah, he's very he's good. the best pitcher I'm ever going to cover. Like, <laughs> Why does he, he is... throw 98 now? <laughs> right? <laughs> when like, did that I mean, happen? It's just and, yeah, and like the, you monster. look at him and like and it's not because he got balked up it's you know right. what it's because his mechanics are that much sharper yeah. it's like asking why is Mariano Rivera throwing eight or 95 mile hour cutters at right. age 40 well it wasn't because he was in the gym it's because he's a crazy good athlete who's refined his craft <clears throat> right and right. Jacob deGrom is the exact same way yeah, he's this like good athlete who's refined his craft and right. that's why he's throwing 98 and by the way throwing it wherever the hell he wants <laughs> right like, yeah. so how is it that you can screw this all up? Like, they, and you know, that was something I got into the column. Like, to, to say that they failed in every way is is unfair. Right. All right. Like, the right. Wilpons didn't fail in every way. Like, City Field is is a jewel. All right. I think if you're a fan, yeah. like, it's a great place to watch a yep. game. All those things. Like, and, and like. And you talk about the homegrown players; they've drafted well and gotten yep. them through. That they they deserve credit for that. Yeah. But man, like they also deserve scorn for the fact that they are wasting all of those assets. Right. You know, like well, to not just... make the playoffs in this year is just yeah. brutal. And with Cohen, one would hope that just the sort of general atmosphere of grievance and slapstickery and all that stuff <laughs> would go away. I mean, it'd be bad for the press, but like, you know, like every team, you know, makes like social media mishaps yes. but like only one tweets out a picture of a player oh. with a dildo in it. like every team every team does meaningful charity work and outreach and you know uh, uses their platform to try and create good only one does a visit to a military hospital to see wounded veterans and turns it into like a four-day story about the three players who chose not to attend Right. You know, every team, uh, you know, like has technical difficulties. Only one has a hot mic with their GM, you know, crushing the commissioner of baseball. It's just right. like, you know, at some point, you know, like you got to see what the connective tissue is here. Like well, it's the, the same people have been in charge for 17 years. I, I, you know what? And that's a thing. I feel like if you worked at an organization where you had to look over your shoulder all the time, mm-hmm. And that every day was a game of cover your ass. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, the GM's freaking credit card information gets emailed out. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> the closer knocks out a family member in the hallway. Uh, like, yeah. uh, you know, freaking, yeah. you know, you get diseases you have to Google. Oh, my gosh. Like, in the clubhouse. Right? Francisco, like it, Francisco Rodriguez was arrested for... I, I don't want to. I guess I say assault. I, a, I don't. I don't know. He was arrested yeah. for getting into a fight with his uh, his father in law and was put on the restricted list. And the manager of the team, Jerry Manuel, was asked how he intended to welcome K Rod back to the team next year. And Jerry, who was a lame duck, said, "I'm going to be here next year." And it's just <laughs> like Jeez. only one team. You know, only one yeah. team has this. Like. You know, the, the, there's goofy stuff happening all over the sport, but in only one team does it coalesce in the same way all, every yeah. time. As long as Steve Cohen gets his uh, gets the approval of the 23 other, you know, rich gentlemen, he'll 
be able to maybe change some of these things and give a long-suffering uh, fan base some reason for optimism. Uh, do you clean house if you're him? I'm just like real quick. Like, I would you know. clean house if you're him? I, I think there's ways to do it. I, I don't know if I would clean house come in right away. I just, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about baseball to like feel that strongly either way. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, you probably couldn't do that anyway because. Uh, you know, then you have this massive undertaking of finding the right guys to bring in there. And like, right. that's, you know, for someone who's a novice, like that's, that's tough. That's yeah. Tough. We don't, we don't exactly know how much he knows about baseball. No, no. or like, just even his management style. That's yeah. the thing. That's why people are just like, Oh, it's going to be so much better. It probably will be just because like, he's not <laughs> right. Fred and Jeff Wilpon, right. but like, you know, let's not, let's, let's relax for a second and, and let's, let's hey, let this play out for, let, for a little let bit Mets first. Let Mets fans be happy. They've been, you know, they should be. They've no, been good through for a lot. Let, they let have, them, let they them have been this. through they a lot. It. <laughs> uh, all right. We're, let's, let's shift gears. I, I think I'm actually already exhausted uh, thinking about this, but uh, I think, I don't know. I just, you're I'm such like a masochist. A, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to do this to my, but you know what? I'm going to do it in a Socratic way. So oh. that, uh, so I'm going to put, I'm going to force you to prove me right with your own answers. But uh, so basically what happened was, is Trent Grisham hit a homer the other night off Clayton Kershaw and everyone lost their minds again. So let's, let's play the clip of Grisham's homer with the two, with the calls from the Dodgers broadcast and the Padres broadcast. In the air to deep right field for Grisham. It's gone. And the Padres tie it one to one. One swing of the battle. Get it done. And there's Grisham's reaction. Looking towards his teammates. And then when he rounded third base, some chirping from the Dodgers dugout. Is hit hard. Deep to right. And gone to tie the game. That was quite a pose after that swing. And you can hear yeah, there's some chirping going on out of that Dodger dugout. That one just uh, created a rivalry. <laughs> so Dave Roberts was asked. Yeah, Dave Roberts was asked about this after the game. Uh, and he basically pointed out why he was uh, unhappy about this. You know, I, I, I don't mind guys uh, admiring a homer. You know, certainly it's a big game, big hit. Really like the player, um, but I just felt that you know to to over kind of stay at home play, and certainly against a guy like Clayton who's uh, got the respect of everyone in big leagues and what he's done in this game, I just took exception to that because I think that there's a certain respect that you give a guy that you know you know if you homer against him. So here's all I want to know, Mark. This is just this is just what I want to know. What did Dave Roberts do wrong? Nothing. Okay. All right. Then we're fine. I don't think he did anything wrong. Okay. Like, I mean, Good. you know, he Good. sat there and he's, look, as a reporter, I want them to be honest. Yes. You asked him a question and he gave an honest yes. answer. You don't have to like the answer, but like he went and said what he thought. And by the way, he's going to bat for one of his players. Yes. Dave Roberts did his job, so he did nothing yes. wrong. That's yes. my thought. Yes. So what I just want to know, <laughs> I just want to, I just, because like my head explodes about this about like four times a year at this point. Why are we? Why do we venerate? We want okay. What what is the thing we want? Right, as like people who cover this game, you know, people who enjoy it, think about it, you know, dedicate a lot of time to it. Right, we want like authentic emotional 
responses. We want guys to be, you know, open and like vulnerable and how they're feeling about things. You know, we want it to feel real, right? So yeah. we we venerate one sort of response, which is Trent Grisham's understandably excited emotional response to hitting a huge bomb off Clayton Kershaw in it in a surprisingly meaningful game, right? right? How fun is it? Yeah, it's so much fun. <clears throat> that must have been awesome. Like mm-hmm. for Trent Grisham, and he was pumped up, and he, you know, like he was, uh, you know, was playing loud, as they say, and you know, like moving around the bases, like carrying himself well. And the Dodgers didn't like it. And what's wrong with the Dodgers not liking it? That's all I want to know because that is an authentic emotional response. It's you don't like when that happens to you. You're not like, wow, that was pretty cool. You're like, wow, this sucks, and that guy's pimping it. Like f yeah. you. Right. And that, like as long as no one gets hit with a baseball, right? What is the harm? Nothing. You're right. 100% right. I am with you, dude. Like it it's you want authenticity because that is what is entertaining. Mm-hmm. It is entertaining to watch these two teams duke it out because they're good. Clearly mm-hmm. both of them are really good. Mm-hmm. But also there are feelings involved. Yeah. And holy crap, does that like it just I watched the game last night, man. Like it is such like Oh, it's just a reminder of why you love baseball. Yeah. Okay. And this is part of it. And so, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think, I think the response is more to do with just like, it's almost automatic. Anything that has to do with these, uh, the, the, yeah, unwritten the unwritten rules unwritten or whatever. Rules, yeah. But that, that, but that, I think that gets law lo- or, or lumped in with what we're talking about. Right. Like the other guys should be pissed. You wouldn't be? <laughs> yeah. Like, if some dude hit a home run off me staring into my dugout, I'd be furious. Right. I'd be furious. So, yeah, as long as someone's not wearing one, like, right. to, the, to the head or whatever, like, or is getting nasty like that, then what's wrong with this? This is exactly what the sport needs. Right. Like, okay, guy's excited. It pissed the other team off. They weren't afraid to show that either. Nothing wrong with that. In right. fact, I think it's great. Right. Yeah. It's like it, I, I to- totally like I'm, I am glad that you haven't lost your mind and gone so far uh, down the down the rabbit hole that you like no. you're missing the point here. It makes no, me no. feel better about our friendship. <laughs> like, I mean, look, I, I think it's funny that they're mad. See, that's a different thing. Well, like, do I, the, I fault them the that thing. they're mad. No, I don't. Here's now, the thing. I think it's here's, hypocritical in some well, ways. OK, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. So, yes, the Dodgers, right, are living in a glass house on this one. Of you course. Know, there was the Muncie thing where they made T-shirts when he got into a bum with bum. Which gunner. he wore for a week. Yeah. Which they, afterward. <laughs> yeah. Which like, hey, by the way, that whole thing was great. You know, Bumgarner awesome. was pissed. Muncie said something funny. It's great. Whatever. Yep. You know, there was like there's a mural of Joe Kelly, you know, doing the pout for some reason yes. in Los Angeles as if, you know, 2020 wasn't already like a cursed year. Um <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like the Dodgers writer living in a glass house on this. But when Dave Roberts is asked this question, asked like, how did you react to that? Do you want him to be hypocritical or dishonest? Because those are really the only two right. choices. Because right. like people are by nature contradictory. We do not have like uh, governing sort of ideologies that are not, you know, where the parts of us are not in conflict at some point, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I contradict myself all the time. I can't remember, you know, 98% of the things I've ever said, <laughs> you know, and I say all of them with the same sort of stupid conviction that makes it seem like I know what I'm talking about. So like people are contradictory, you know, people are hypocritical and yeah, Dave Roberts was happy or not happy. I, well, he wasn't like he was thrilled about the Muncie thing, but he def- 
defended his players during that, and he's going to defend his players during this. And that's right. basically what his job is. Yes. you know, Dude, like, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago with the guy on the other side, by the way, Jace Tingler. Sure. Okay, when he, he leaves Tatis flapping in the wind yeah. after that thing in Texas. Like, I was like, I kind of like jokingly, it was like, oh, man, I guess he's going to rip his guy now, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, is he going to go out and, like, rip Trent Grisham after the game? And no, <laughs> yeah, he learned his lesson. That was Defended good. Trent he Grisham. Didn't, said, he didn't rip <laughs> He Trent didn't rip Grisham. him. Congratulations, he's, right? He's most yeah. improved manager of the yeah. year. Like, somebody, like, th- th- yeah. I was listening to some radio show, and they're talking about manager of the year. And, oh, it should be Jace Tingler. I'm like, no, it should not be Jace Tingler. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that was a disqualifying event a month ago. But, hey. Let's give our boy some credit. Uh, <laughs> All right. He didn't bury Trent Grisham the other night, so good for you. But, yeah. like, yeah, dude, like, Roberts is doing his job. And, yeah. like, uh, you can't, like, be mad when people show emotions and yeah. then, like, it elicits a reaction. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but, like, you just you can't do that. Well, it, and it it's, also, it's also, a, like, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't pretend to know. Uh, you know, how people might react to various things. But, like, I don't know if, like, Clayton Kershaw listens to that press conference and says, like, and says, like, wow, like, you know, Doc's really got my back. I, their relationship's past that point where he doesn't need those sort of reassurances. You know, he understands, I would, I would suspect, that, you know, Roberts has done a lot to try and, you know, show that he's there for his player. But, like, if it goes the other way and he says something to the effect of like, no, I loved Grisham doing that. I love guys playing right. with flair. Like, that's cool. You know, like let's, you know, let the kids play like that might really upset. That would know, get some players in his room. 100%. It might, it might, it, 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 it might upset guys besides Kershaw, you know, yeah. like it, it yeah. might. So like, what is, what is the job of the manager? Is it to present a coherent sort of uh you know philosophy to to uh you know like people who are paying attention to stuff that happened a year ago or is it to just like defend his players in the moment and you know what i mean like his job isn't to like not be contradictory in in some ways his job and so I, i don't know dude his job is press secretary right so and like every other press secretary you're gonna say some shit that when you play the tape later on, yeah. you're like, that guy's full of crap. Yeah. Well, that's the job. Yeah. Like that's it would the be job. Like, and- it would be like if if we pulled up your coverage of the Mets in spring training of 2014, <laughs> and we just like read it. We'd be like, Mark, you're the worst baseball writer ever. Like, <laughs> you don't know anything about this sport. You don't right. know who the good players are. You don't know. No shit. idea. They'd be like, yeah. you're an idiot. You know, you thought these guys had a chance. <laughs> like, Are you stupid? What is yeah. this? You know, what, like, it'd be, or it'd be like me. They'd be like, Andy, why is there this two thousand word feature on Frank Francisco? He's got a four ERA. What? What is this? You know, <laughs> Frank. Frank. <laughs> so, like, it, yeah, it's. I think that you know this idea that like, I don't know. I just don't. I get. I get really tired of being told that. Bat flips are great, but disliking bat flips is bad. It's all we just want emotion. We just right. want authenticity. I, that's all I want to see. Yeah. I, I, you know, as long like again, as long as no one's getting drilled, who cares if Madison Bumgarner is like woofing at guys after they homer off him? Right. That's great. 
Yep. Like, I that's think great. that's a, that's what so, I mean, that's the problem. That people have a hard time separating the two. Yeah. Because I, I I'm with you, dude. Like guys getting thrown at for being yeah. good at baseball is fucking bullshit, and it's always been bullshit. Sure. It's not right. Okay. It's dangerous, and and it's just not right. It's childish. Um, there are other ways to do that. Like beat the other team, play harder. Like mm-hmm. talk some shit, whatever. Like and so all that stuff is harmless. Like Trent Grisham staring into a dugout. What is the big deal? Yeah, really? Awesome. Like come on. Yeah. Like uh, right. So <laughs> nobody's getting hurt. It's right. just bruised egos and guys being sore because they lost, which is what you want. Right. Because you know what? <laughs> if they were happy that they lost, or didn't give a shit that they lost, they wouldn't right. be the Dodgers, right? right. Like they're really right. freaking good, yeah. by the way. So. Yeah, like there's something you said earlier that I think was perfect about uh, Kershaw and and uh, Roberts. Mm-hmm. Dave Roberts says the right thing; nobody notices. It just it fades into the ether. It's not going to get back to Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. He says the wrong thing; it's all getting back to Clayton sure. Kershaw. And like yeah. that is how it works, and it's why I think managers have such a difficult job now. Yeah. Right. Like, cause think about it. You, it's just like an umpire in that respect. Mm-hmm. You could get 99 calls, right? You blow the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the world sees it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Like, and if you're a manager and like, that's how it works, you say what you got to say to get through that presser. Yeah. Even if it means that you're hypocritical or whatever, fine. It's not his right. job to be like, you know, consistent. You're right. Man. Well, that's one. It's one of the things that, that Dave is very, very good at as a, a manager. Um, I know obviously he's worn a lot of criticism for some of the tactical decisions, you know, that he's made in the postseason, And I've levied a, a fair bit of that, you know, over the years. But I think to say that, you know, like he is very, very good at his job. And there are certain aspects in which he is elite. And I think the way that he handles the room, the way that he handles the press. I mean, there's so many times, like, you know, like, I mean, Dylan wouldn't care if I brought this up. But, like, I worked with with Dylan Hernandez at the LA Times. And and one of the things that I think Dylan and I are both really good at is kind of, like, stirring shit up. Kind of asking, you know, like, (laughs) tough questions in a way that kind of, like, boxes the you know the manager in and like gets him to kind of say something interesting you know like you kind of you know sometimes you got to throw some fastballs every now right. and again and and Roberts handles that sort of line of questioning better than any manager I've ever seen he just like laughs and is like I'm kind of you know he's like ah uh, the one he would always be like ah oh, I love you you know I know what you're doing I love you and it's just like that's that's just smart yeah. you know it doesn't benefit yeah. us right it doesn't but like. For as far as what his job is, is which is to get through the presser and not make waves and, you know, keep everything steady, he's as good as it gets. And I think yeah. this was just, like, even if even if it's contradictory, even if everyone says, oh, well, the Dodgers did this against... It's like, yeah, they did. And you know what? Every team feels the same way, and every fan base feels the same way. They love it when their players bat flip, and they hate it when teams bat flip on them. Yeah. Simple as that. Yep. I yep. like it when my team wins, and I hate it when my team loses. Right. Really simple. No one's coherent. No. Then who cares, man? Like, it's <laughs> like freaking a. Like we got two great ball clubs duking it out. Yeah. That that are like forming a legit organic rivalry. That's what I like about it. It's not like contrived. It's not like hearing people talk about the Yankees and Red Sox when the Red Sox. St- Dink. Like, I don't want to hear it. There's not a rivalry right now. One team is awful. Like, it's not a rivalry. Nobody cares. All right. Like, this is a rivalry. 
the Padres kind of rising up and doing their thing and freaking challenging the Dodgers. (laughs) First game of the series, hitting right in the freaking face. Yeah. Like, punched in between the eyes. It's fun. Like, that is awesome. Yeah. It is good stuff. And we cannot wait for the game today. Well, and it's setting up so that uh, they're probably going to, you know, if they both make it through the first round, they will face each other in the (laughs) DS. Yeah. And I was thinking. So good. So I was, uh, we can. Uh, transition into story time as we close out the episode. Uh, I was thinking, you know, the weather's getting a bit chillier. I'm wearing uh, jeans today for the first time since April. Um, you know, How they fit in India. No, you, as tight as they always were. <laughs> That's one of the one of the benefits of wearing pants the way I do is that you know it's just like oh. I don't know, have I put on weight? Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe they just need to be stretched <laughs> out. I don't know. Um, but I was thinking, you know, like how much I enjoy covering the postseason and how much fun it is. It's really like the best part of the job. And so I was just kind of reminiscing on like games I covered and, you know, things like that. And what I wanted to know is uh, and it doesn't have to be the uh, the postseason, but uh, do you have in your personal experience a, a favorite uh, press box meltdown that you have experienced? <laughs> Like a time that something has just gone incredibly haywire for you and you lost it in a high-pressure situation? Because I have a good one, but I'm curious if you have any. You know what? Mine isn't as good as yours. Like I, The one I can think of, and this makes me laugh because I'm playing golf with this person soon. Um, there's a, another person on the beat. It was like late in the year. Everybody's tired. Okay, I was covering the Yankees at the time. Uh like I remember the travel. It was a travel day. It was a horrible travel day. Like I'm mm. tired. Like the flight was messed up. Like getting to the park was a pain in the ass. Hotel wasn't ready. Like I mean, it was like everything that could go wrong. I show up at the park, and there is like somebody's luggage and all their shit in my assigned seat. <laughs> like it's just everywhere. Like it's one of these like people that spreads out. It's everywhere. It was like he had all his stuff and like and then some, and it just buried my place to sit, and like. You know, 99 days out of 100, I'm just nice. Hey, man, like, you move this stuff. This is the one day where I, I was having none of it. Like, I just had the ass. So, like, I fucking lit him up. Like, I got all mad, huffy-puffy. I started, like, picking shit up. Like, I was about to start throwing it out the window. I was so mad. Like, just for no reason at all. Like, yeah. well, not no reason. I mean, I was just having a bad day. I took it out on this guy, which is not fair. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it was bad. Like, so George King... Is like watching this, like it looks sure. like Leach Fravino and Happy Gilmore just shaking his head. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like rubbing his beard, a toothpick yeah. in his mouth, just just shaking his head. Yep. Like just, oh no, what are you doing? Like, you know, he's killing me the rest of the day for it. Like, I, I mean, it was bad. So, I, but that was like hours before the game. It was nothing like on oh. deadline, like classic meltdown. Yeah. So, like, you know, get, by contrast, Andy, what do you got? I got, I, I think I have the all timer. <laughs> I re- and like I'm not te- I've told this story before but I'm not, and I'm not telling it to like make me out to be the hero uh because the hero in the story is Sam Mellinger my uh my colleague at the Kansas City Star um so it was game 5 of the 2015 World Series um the Royals tied the game at City Field in the ninth inning uh, mm-hmm. Off Matt Harvey and Jerry Familia. Eric Hosmer steals home or scores on the you know the chopper. Do to throw uh, the do to throw. Yeah, so the game's tied two two, and it goes into the tenth inning, 
And, you know, the thing about, like, the thing about, uh, especially, you know, working in newspaper, it's a little different, uh, you know, here at The Athletic, but the thing, thing when you're covering a game in a newspaper is that you need to have your story filed as soon as the game ends. Like, as the game, and, you know, sometimes they would like it earlier, so sometimes I would send it earlier, but it, that can, if you have to make changes, that screws it up. So the general, the general thing is that when the last out is recorded, you hit send on your story. So there's something mm-hmm. that can be put on the website in the next couple minutes that tells readers what happened. <clears throat> and at the star, that was even more important because our print deadlines were not favorable for us. So this needed to go in the paper. It was just going to, you know, th- this was going to be the thing that hit all the doorsteps in the morning. So it's, it's called a running game story. So you basically spend all game working on it. And so I had maybe like 1,200 words written. And uh, I... That's a lot of running gamer, by the way. Yeah, it might have been closer at to... Home. F- it actually well, might have been closer to 15. Now that That's I a lot of running gamer. It was gamer. about 1,500. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, and uh, it had been, you know, been a very exciting game. <clears throat> so... In the 10th inning, the top of the 10th, I looked up at my Word document and every word on the page had become an asterisk. Just every single word was an asterisk. And I was like, haha, that's funny. You know, hit like Command Z to try and bring it back. And it just stayed there. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't, that's not great. And I hit Command Z again. And it just, I'm trying to like get it back. And it's just not there. This st- every word had become an asterisk, and uh, I just basically uh, lost it. I guess is the technical term for what happened. I uh, so I'm sitting in the front row at the far corner of the City Field press box, and Sam is next to me, and I just I basically you know my this uh, the assistant sports editor Chris Fickett was behind me, so was Vahe Gregorian, our other uh, columnist, and Blair Kirkhoff. And the three of them were sitting behind me and Sam, and they could sense that like there was some uh, agitation going on with me. And at some point, Sam just kind of walked over and was like, "Yeah, uh, Andy lost his uh, Andy lost his story, oh, so God. we're uh, we're trying to find it." So uh, Fickett is in the process of calling the folks back in Kansas City to let them know that like my game story is gone. Uh, he's getting hollered at back in Kansas City, basically saying like, "Tell him to fit, to get the story back." So the story's gone, and I spent about ten minutes trying to find it, freaking out, just having a meltdown. Uh, Mellinger went from like laughing for the first like ninety seconds to then starting to you know basically counsel me. And and at, at one point I'm just like screaming and venting, and uh, it was like as the tenth inning ended, and the Mets I think had a rally or something and didn't score, and some guy yelled out across the press box. He just heard someone screaming and just goes, "It's only a game, pal." <laughs> and so Mellinger basically just like took over as like uh, you know my. He was like he was like my therapist coaching me through. He's like, okay, so um, here's what you do, man. You just like just write just write what already happened in the game. So like, what happened earlier? Well, Matt Harvey pitched and he was really good. Why don't you write like a few hundred words on that and then see and then see what happens? <laughs> he was like, and then in the ninth inning they tied the game. So maybe you should put that somewhere up top. Oh, and he's just like coaching me through. I mean, like I don't know, man. It's just what a we, caddy. Yeah, he Sam saved 
Sam saved the entire newspaper that night because we were able to get a functioning... Thankfully, the game didn't end until the 12th. If it had ended in the 10th, like, it would have been a total disaster. But uh, thankfully, Sam was able to kind of coach me back to basically rewrite the story in, like, 20 minutes or so. Uh, but that was, like... That's, like, the thing that you have nightmares about, you know? That, like, mm-hmm. you lose your game story <laughs> before the team is about to clinch the World Series. Dude, and, I- <laughs> Like, it still sort of haunts me to this day, thinking about that. I'll tell you, like, that's, I'm glad you said nightmares. It's like, it, like, oh man, this still, like, gives me, like, like, uh, it makes my spine tingle thinking about this. (laughs) Like, the beginning of my career, like, Uh back in the day, I think people used to have to cover high school sports Uh to get, to, to end up covering, like, Major League Baseball, right? Like, it was one of the things you just had to go do. So I'm covering high school sports and like it's like my first job and like, you know, I was horrible and um, <laughs> like, so like he yeah, asked press box meltdown. This wasn't even a press box meltdown. Yeah. This is a meltdown in the office. Yeah. Like I went to go cover a game. I didn't know how to stat it. Right. So right. like, and I needed to write 150 fucking words oh, and wow. like I sit there and I've got a half hour to do it and 25 of them were spent putting the box score together because yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yep. yep. And as I'm entering like the, I'll never forget this for the rest <laughs> of my life. I'm entering the last line, which is the penalties. Uh-huh. And like my clipboard's all screwed up because like, I can't read my own writing. And yeah. I pick it up and I see the number. Oh, it's a five. All right, hit the five. Then I and I put the clipboard back down, and the corner of the clipboard hits the escape key <laughs> on the on the keyboard <laughs> and wipes out the whole box score. So now I've got to put a whole box score together and write 150 words, which I've never done under the gun before. <laughs> In five minutes. And this, the poor editor, like, he sees oh. me. The nicest guy. Phil Jensen is his name. Same what Mellinger did to you. Like, yeah. just like, I'm about to fucking start crying. Yeah. You know, like, this is my shot. And I'm yeah. blowing it because I can't cover De Anza and Sinel without pissing my pants. <laughs> right? And, like, and here he is, like, calmly, like, just get through the box score. Yeah. I'll help you on the other thing. Yeah. We'll move on to the next day. And, like, you know what? People like Mellinger, people like Phil, like, the, these guys, like... Oh my God! It just took pity. So like that's the yeah. the dream I had. So when you cover high school sports, you miss a play, you're screwed. Right. Because right. you're statting the game. You got to You got to keep your own stats. Yeah. Like yeah. you're it, and there's no backup. Right. Like yeah. well, you could ask the team, but like they they always have theirs wrong. Like this just right. never right. Right. Because it's the home book. Right. So right. anyway, my nightmare for the first a good five years that I did this. And I'd have cold sweats waking up. Is that like I, I was driving to the game three hours early because I was insane, mm-hmm. right? And I'd hear the marching band, and then I'd be like, then I'd hear cheers. Yeah. Then I'd drive by and I'd look up and there was time on the board and a score. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Like, like. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Like, like I got the time yeah. wrong. Like it was like yeah. the first quarter, eight minutes had gone by, and like you hear like someone just scored. Then I'd wake up. Yeah. And like. Poof, yeah. Like drenched in sweat. And like that happened for five years, dude. Well, the one I still have is just about it's like being on deadline and being unable to write. And oh, not not God. that you can't not that you can't uh not that you have writer's block per se, but that you can't like physically hit the keys. Like I would just keep getting distracted or something, you know? Like I would just I'm like sitting at my laptop and then I feel compelled that I have to go play Tetris or something, <laughs> even though I'm on deadline. It's very, yeah. But that's the, yeah, that's, oh, it is no. interesting how like you're, uh, you know, showing up to the final without having done any studying dream becomes yep. unable to, 
you know, unable to write on deadline nightmare as you, as you go through this business. In, in the dreams, Andy, are your notebooks still covered in cubes? Yes. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Okay. And, Andy likes to cover his notebooks in cubes. Like I remember noticing this in the, I think it was a 2009 World Series, yeah, and I laughed about it yeah. for all, all the, every game. I was just like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I just doodle cubes all the time. <laughs> yeah, very very normal person, let me tell very you. Very normal. Very well adjusted, too. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you, everyone, for listening. This was a fun one. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you should go to theathletic.com slash scrum, and you can get 40% off off a year subscription. Um, the site is really up and humming right now. We've had some really cool stuff in the past few weeks. We have a new, like, real-time app, which is basically um, – Twitter with less trolling, uh, less rig, <laughs> which is great. Like Mark isn't as active on there as he is on Twitter. So if oh. you like Twitter and you don't want to see Mark, this might be your best bet. Uh, yes. Possibly. I don't know. But yeah. It's, it's Twitter uh, without the tired acts. Twitter. Yeah. Twitter without the tired acts. That would be good. That would be good. Um, but yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, please rate and review us if you have the time. And we'll be back next week.